This is ReachMDXM233, the channel for medical professionals, and I'm Dr. Stephen Markward. It's relevant to our conversation with our next guest that I'm an anesthesiologist. Addiction is a serious problem in the anesthesia field. Jack Stem is a nurse anesthetist who confronted his addiction and is helping others to do the same. Jack is a peer assistance advisor for Ohio State Association of Nurse Anesthetists and Addiction Prevention and Consulting Services and has become widely known because of his popular website, jackstem.com. I appreciate your speaking with us tonight, Jack. Can you tell us a little bit how you discovered it, that you were an addict in the first place? I was actually confronted um, by a couple of folks at work that, that thought maybe I had another illness. They weren't sure what the deal was, and they were concerned. They wanted me to go be assessed for uh, just to have a general medical workup, which I did not do. Denial is probably the number one problem that we have when we're in addiction. We're in the middle of our active addiction. And so I always came up with some good excuses as to why things couldn't go the way they thought I should do them or why I could avoid going to the doctor and things like that until finally I accidentally overdosed. And thank God that my youngest daughter forgot her swimsuit swimming lessons because they came home and she came out and said, Mom, Dad looks kind of blue. I was uh, admitted to the hospital to work me up for a possible either uh, dysrhythmia or seizure disorder and in the process of going through some of the studies, I was flipping through my charts and I noticed that they had done a drug screen and I was using fentanyl at the time and I'd started doing this as a result of chronic pain. I had spondylolisthesis. When I noticed all of the Tox screens were negative, but opiates were pending. I thought, well, this is it. I'm, I'm, I'm dead meat here. So I didn't sleep most of the night in the hospital and, and uh, paged the chairman of the department about 6 a.m. because I knew he came in at that time, and we had a long talk, and I admitted that I had a problem and went off to treatment. And that's kind of, it was just, I, I think, just luck. Technically, I should be, I should be dead at this point, twice, actually. Because uh, one of the ways out prior to that incident was uh, I was contemplating suicide because I, I just, things just seemed so hopeless. Is that a common theme with addicts, uh, that they have that sense of hopelessness? Yeah, it's, and it's strange because I had drawn up enough sufentanil. I had five cc's of sufentanil, a syringe, and 100 milligrams of succinylcholine mixed heading for, for the stall to do, do the deed, and uh, an OB resident came in and was ranting and raving about something for 10 minutes. I couldn't even tell you what it was about, but it gave me enough time to reconsider what I was doing. How did it affect your, your work, your performance at the hospital? So I started with intramuscular use for, for my pain control at uh, the end of December of 89 and probably started using intravenous I'd say by the end of January, I would get drowsy during the cases. Sometimes I would get very irritable. I, I think that was the biggest sign that people saw was irritability because I tried not to take anything while I was working, which as the, the disease progressed, it just wasn't possible to do that. You know, going through the withdrawal, the increased catecholamine levels and the irritability, agitation, nausea, sweating, all those kind of things kind of set in. And, and it, it gets to be pretty tough to hide that kind of signs. And that's, that's very late. They generally assume that by the time somebody's discovered at work, they're, they're pretty close to uh, 
ending up dead shortly. This is Dr. Stephen Marquardt on Reach MDXM Channel 233, speaking with Jack Stem, a recovering addict, peer assistance advisor for the Ohio State Association of Nurse Anesthetists and Addiction Prevention and Consulting Services. We've been talking a little bit about how Jack's addiction affected his work. How do you think it affected your patient care, and how do you think it affected the perception of those around you? Unfortunately, I didn't have a chance to really talk to a lot of the folks that that I worked with. Why is that? Well, I I went into treatment the day that I I talked with the chairman of the department, and I was inpatient for 28 days, and then I was off for another month. And then when I did start back to work, uh, I relapsed very shortly after that. At that time, this was in in, uh, 1990, the chairman of the Department of, for uh, Chemical Dependency at the hospital I worked at, his theory was get you back to work as fast as possible, don't sit at home, don't mope, just get right back into the saddle. And nowadays, most most addiction addictionologists are recommending a minimum of a year away from anesthesia practice. Now, why, why is that? Is it because it gives you a chance to learn new behavior patterns or, or reinforce the, the program in your daily life? Well, it does all those things. And what I discovered in my life was if, if I didn't attend five or six meetings of AA and A meetings a week, I had a caduceus meeting which met once a week, and that consisted of physicians and pharmacists, nurses, and other healthcare professionals. If, if I started cutting back on my meetings and really working hard, what they call working the steps, the 12-step program, you, you start to slide right back into your old patterns. And interestingly enough, the the physical changes that occur in your brain may take 18 months to two years before they really get back to any semblance of normalcy. And there's even discussion as to whether that they ever become normal again. Anesthesia is a, a risky uh, profession as far as addiction goes. Why do you think that is? According to one study by a physician, an anesthesiologist out of Florida, Dr. Gold. He did a study where he thinks that aerosolized amounts of fentanyl, sufentanil, that are present at the head of the bed, either being exhaled by the patient or as we pop the vials and squirt some of the stuff into the air before we inject patients, may actually be sensitizing the the practitioner to the opiates, making Mm. them a little more susceptible. Uh, I think it's an interesting theory. I don't know how much I buy it. I think the biggest problem that you run into in anesthesia, well, there's there's several. Number one, it's you, you work weird hours, so you don't get really solid sleep. I don't think for the most part, high stress. We're all pretty much high achieving individuals, and studies have shown consistently that the CRNAs become addicts, finish in the top third of their class consistently. Who else in medicine do you think is at a high risk? Well, they've shown that critical care specialties, the emergency room, uh, intensive care units, psychiatry actually has a fairly high incidence, which I was really surprised to hear that. I don't associate psychiatry with high stress, but, but then again, I don't practice psychiatry. So, But those are the general individuals or specialties that we see it in. Is Anesthesia is probably the number one, followed closely by the emergency room and critical care. And it's also nurses as well as doctors. Yes, correct. Is there any medications besides some of the more potent narcotics that people tend to abuse? So 
some of the benzodiazepines are, are fairly common, and it's interesting because if you just take a, a section of anesthesia providers, MD, CRNA, and divide them just by gender, men generally use the opiates more frequently, and females generally use the benzodiazepines. I haven't seen any reason listed as to that. Versed has a fair amount of abuse potential, and we have an, a web community. It's called Anesthetists in Recovery, and it's, it's a, a closed community where CRNAs can join if they're either just discovering they, they are an addict or they've been in recovery for 10 years. It's, it's a place for us to meet and discuss problems. One of the big drugs that we're starting to see now in the newcomers is propofol. Now, how do people have abuse propofol? Generally, they don't do it too frequently in the hospital setting. Most of the folks are doing it either at home. A lot of the folks that, that seem to be discussing this on our website is folks that do locum tenens. So they're, they're working for a couple of weeks someplace out of town, and, and they use it when they're in their hotel room. Some folks use them in, in the car. Uh, I know of one individual here in Cincinnati where I live that they, the security found him dead in his car out in the uh, parking lot. He had hung a bag of propofol and just uh, had an IV caster placed, and they don't know if it was an intentional suicide or if it was uh, accidental, but they found him and the bag was empty, and so we, nobody even knows how much he used. Um, and in fact, there's a, a series of DVDs available through the American Association of Nurse Anesthetists. It's called Wearing Masks, and it goes wearing masks one through four, and I just saw that they have another one out now that is a compilation of the first four. And they actually interview anesthesiologists, CRNAs, program directors, several people who were working hard to promote the recognition of addiction in the anesthesia provider even while they were abusing drugs. So it's a very sobering, pardon the pun, but it's a, it's a sobering series of DVDs because you actually get to, to hear folks who have been through the process and two or three of the people. I, I think I know of two for sure in the DVDs that are dead. One of them was a, an anesthesia resident. The other one was a past president of the American Association of Nurse Anesthetists, and, and her daughter, fortunately, has been more than willing to um, speak out about what was going on with her mom because nobody recognized it until they found her dead. Well, thank goodness that some people have had the courage to come out and speak on this. And thanks to our guest, Jack Stem, for his courage and willingness to help colleagues in the anesthesia field. Thank you, Jack, for bringing this issue to light to a larger audience of medical professionals. And I'm Dr. Stephen Marquardt on ReachMDXM, Channel 233.